Podcast One production. I'm Sammy Lucas and I'm romantically challenged. I don't handle rejection well. I don't think anyone does. But in the dating world, rejection is par for the course. And if you're online dating, it can be a daily experience. You can be rejected by complete strangers, people you've never even met before. And that's not fun for anyone. So I'd like to explore rejection and why it hurts so much. I've called in Rachel Voisey. She's a psychologist with a PhD in rejection. Okay, I made that last bit up, but she is a psychologist. She's not one of those super clinical, come and lie on my couch and tell me your darkest fears type therapist. Chatting to Rachel feels like having a debrief with my best friend over a lovely bottle of Pinot Gris in our favourite bar. And she also happens to give the best dating advice. Here's Rachel. My name is Rachel. I'm a female in my late 30s. My hobbies include travelling and catching up with my good friends and my family over good food and great wine and just being around the people that I love. I work as a psychologist in the relationship industry. I work with all things relationships, helping people get together, helping people stay together, work through their problems and sometimes also, I suppose, get apart from each other in the best way possible. I think dating can be tricky. I think it can be exciting, but I definitely think I think overall it's worth it to try and find the person that's right for you. I think overall if you can be connected and true to yourself then you can find the right person to be connected to as well. So when I started this podcast I was really clear that I didn't want it to be a dating manual. I didn't want to tell people what they should be doing. It's not, you know, giving people advice and getting experts, so-called experts. But I want to make an exception today because I've got uh, Rachel, a psychologist from the Relationship Room in Sydney here to talk about rejection in the dating world. And I think it's important to talk to a professional, a psychologist, because there's so much to understand about the psychology of rejection. And if you can understand the psychology of rejection, I think you can deal with it better. Is that right, Rachel? I definitely agree with you there because I think if you don't understand the psychology behind it, you're always taking it personally and you're thinking it's something that's happening to you and when you understand how it works because there is a lot of psychology behind rejection and you can't really get around that. It never gets any better when you're five and the girls tell you to go away or you're, you know, 45 and the guys guys are like, go away, totally. And if you don't (laughs) understand how that works, then you kind of encounter a lot of problems. I'm really intrigued, Rachel, because I know as a psychologist, you you work with a lot of couples mm-hmm. um, and relationship therapy and counselling, but you're working with as many singles now. I am. As, as couples. Definitely, and I love that. I love that in the last probably, I reckon that would be the last four or five years, all these single, a lot of single women and single men show up in my office saying, I either want help with dating for the future. I want to sort out what I've done in the past. They come in to look at things to work out how to go best into dating. And that's a really, I think it's a really positive thing. Oh, it's yeah, amazing. So, I'm not just couples, lots of singles every day. Does that come from a place of, 
I need to sort my shit out to be a better person to date? Or why is this so difficult? How do I navigate the dating scene? Because it's really challenging. Always both. You can't really have one without the other because people will want to sort their shit out. But often it's all the kind of baggage that you brought with you in that then makes the process of dating even harder because you can either go two ways. You can almost put your hands in the air and say, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this and give up. Or you can go hard and fast at it. And then you have to be really ready and have a really good sense of self-esteem to weather all that, you know, rejection mm. and all that effort that you put in. Because one of the things with dating different to anything else I find with my clients is if you put a lot of effort into anything, like if you want to sign up to the gym and you get really into that or you put heaps of effort into your career, self-development, you generally see a payoff. Now with dating, sometimes that's not the case. You can be committed, <laughs> you can be up there every night, you can say yes to every match and you can still get to the end of the year and be like, oh my God. You know, what just happened to me? I still can't meet anyone. That's not like anything else, right? That's not how it goes. I wonder whether, like I'm 48 now Mm -hmm. and been single most of my adult life. Am I beyond help in that (laughs) regard? Like, do you get to a point where it's like, I'm too old, I'm too set in my ways. Any kind of singles therapy is not going to help me. No, I don't think so. And that's probably from my experience from listening to so many stories. I've had couples in their 60s, in their 70s that have met and that are like, it's it's the closest thing I can say that's true love and I'm pretty cynical in my job, you can imagine. Yeah. I've seen it all. Yeah. So when I see people, you know, that you can find love at any point of life. There's never, it's never really like that. It's Actually, I think you're more likely to find it older because you know more about yourself. Mm. And um, I think that's something I say to people often, you know, I wish I'd maybe known more about myself before I went out there and chose a partner. It just wasn't, that kind of thing wasn't happening then. So I think the thing that um, intrigues me and my girlfriends particularly at this age in yeah. our 40s and some of my girlfriends in their early 50s when yeah. we're on the dating scene, at times you still feel like a silly little 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. checking your phone, analysing text messages. Oh, yeah. he put a kiss there. He didn't put a kiss on this one. Totally. He hasn't called me for two days. It's just... Tell me that that's normal, it right? Is normal. Because we feel, I know we all go, I can't believe we're still having this reaction. But the funny thing is with all the men I work with, they're pretty much the same too. When they like someone, they're also coming in going, look at my text messages, Rachel. Have a look at this. She said this. She didn't say that. Human beings all function in that same way because in our kind of core way, the way we kind of come into the world is we like to be attached to somebody and we look for that with our parents. And then after we finish with our parents, we look for it in our partners. So all of us, when we feel like there's that potential to have something, it's not just friendship though, it's attachment. It's actually like having that person, you know, finding your person. And if you think that person on the other end of the phone might be that person, you really care if they put one X or two X or no X <laughs> or or they tell you they're busy on Saturday night and you're wondering if that's really true. It, it's part of the way we are wired to be attached to somebody else and that doesn't change from the womb to the tomb. So it's perfectly normal to be it's as so neurotic normal. as we totally. all are We are all very, very secretly and not so secretly neurotic. Yes, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about rejection because okay. no one likes rejection, okay? No. It makes us angry, confused, mm-hmm. insecure, depressed. None of them are pleasant feelings. No. But it's a part of life and it's par for the course when you're on the dating scene, Mm -hmm. particularly in the modern dating scene. We've got so many opportunities to connect with people Mm -hmm. through online dating apps, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, Tell us about the the psychology behind rejection because I know that's the key to kind of understanding it and handling it better. Totally. And there's really two parts to that. So the first thing is rejection is something that we are hardwired to not like. And that's like a lot of psychology comes down to the fact that our modern day 
experience hasn't caught up with our evolutionary brain, our caveman brain or whatever you want to call it. Because when we were like hunters and gatherers, if you got kicked out of the tribe and you had to go off on your own, you pretty much were dead, right? So this system was set up for us where if you could perceive that you were about to be rejected, you were supposed to have alarm bells go off because it's not a very adaptive thing to be on your own. You can't, you, can't, you can't fight off a tiger on your own. You can't go hunt for food, look after the kids. You can't do it all on your own. Now, in modern society, actually, we can do it all on our own, but our brain hasn't yet evolved past this thing of, oh my God, if someone's rejecting me, I'm not safe. I'm going to be alone. Alone is bad, which to be quite honest, is not that yeah, bad, see, right? I agree with that. I think that we're slowly getting to that point where, well, I'm trying to promote the fact yeah. that being alone is actually okay. It's it not is as okay. depressing totally. as people think it is. But yeah, I think there is a feeling in all of us or It's for a me, physical sensation. It's not, I'm not saying we're not okay. And what I guess this kind of evolutionary brain thing is, is that physically when you get rejected, your body goes into a bit of like a fight flight state. It's quite well documented. When you actually, your heart rate goes up, you can't breathe as well. In small ways, your body is affected by rejection. Even if your mind's saying, I'm okay, I don't need this. So there is a your physical. Body response. There's a physical, that's the evolutionary brain. It actually sets an alarm bell off saying, oh my gosh, you're not okay. Even when you're saying up here, I am. So it's physical. You're trying to say upstairs You're trying, you're exactly okay. you See, are. See, but I don't think it's about if I'm rejected, oh, I'm going to be alone. It's not that it's just it's not that as deep as that it's just that he doesn't like me yeah well like, that that's too. not a nice feeling no why it's doesn't not. he want me what yeah. did I do wrong yeah but I mean if you didn't really care about the rejection you could actually the thing with rejection is normally when they don't like you they don't even know who you are I mean for someone to really truly reject you they actually have to know who you are and let's face it most of these rejections what you might have seen them for three dates you might have seen them for three months or you might have swiped on them twice it doesn't matter but when they say I don't want to see you you think oh my god why why don't they like me? Well, they don't even know you. So the rejection is far less or, you know, often about who you are as opposed to circumstance or who they are or something they've decided on. And in theory, that sounds perfectly rational. Yeah. <laughs> but in practice, it's, it no. doesn't always kind of turn out It doesn't, out that and way. It, no. And it makes you super self-critical most of the time. The other thing about rejection from a psychologist's point of view is that when you put someone into an MRI machine and you put them into a rejection scenario where you make them feel rejected for something... The same part of the brain that lights up is the same part of the brain that lights up when you physically put them in pain. So if you give them an electric shock, the same part of the brain lights up as when you reject them. So mm. there's actually a real sense of pain. So people always say, just don't take it so seriously. Don't worry about it. You know, it's not you, it's them. But your body and your brain are not telling, like, giving you those messages. So you can't beat yourself up for all the things that then come after the rejection, like you are saying, Sammy. I and I know that you're saying, like, if you do allow rejection to mm. kind of take you into that place of taking away your self-confidence and your self-esteem and putting you into a depressive state, what's dangerous about that is the way it can make you act mm, yes. and the things it can make you say and do and the way you treat yourself because then you start to treat yourself as a person with low self-esteem that maybe you lower it, your expectations. Yeah, you do. That's a or real... you give up. And once you give up, like, you know, it's like you're not going to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. If you give up or you really develop these beliefs about all men are this or, or, or worse, I'm like this, you know, no one will ever like me because once you have this kind of we call them in psychology entrenched negative beliefs. Once you believe something, it's you know it's very hard to overcome that, and you start acting in ways that then change your experience. So, you know, it's giving up or becoming really self-critical. All the ways you then change how you act, they're the things that lead you to a life that you probably might look back and go, "Oh my god, you know, I didn't, I, I gave up at that point." And then you're never going to get what you want when you give up. So, is there a way that you can um, 
look at everything that we've just said yeah. and, and make yourself handle rejection better. Totally. It hurts and it's supposed to hurt and it will always hurt. It'll hurt when you're six and it'll hurt when you're 60. It'll always hurt. We will never get better at rejection because of that evolutionary brain thing and because of that pain response. None of us are any different. Human beings are very much the same in lots of ways. We can't get past that bit. So you should eat the Tim Tams and the ice cream and cry on the phone to your girlfriend. Oh, wait a minute. Go for a jog. Go if for a jog. makes you feel better. Do a meditation. It have to be unhealthy. Yeah, do some and mindfulness. So when someone says, ah, oh, just brush it off. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. You can't brush it off. I hate that. And and I also like you, I do, I, I find it so funny and I always say to my clients, I should probably tell you to go and do a mindfulness exercise, but to be quite honest, that's ridiculous. Like eat the Tim Tams, cry, punch the pillow, like lose your shit. But then there's a the point, but then. So like attend to your, I call it like a little like triage, like attend to your wounds, lick your wounds, feel your pain. But then at a certain point you've got to stop and you've got to remember that the biggest cost of rejection is reducing your self-esteem and becoming self-critical because you want to work out why. Oh, maybe I talk too much about my exes. Oh, I reckon that's why he didn't call me back. I shouldn't have mentioned my exes. And so that bit's kind of okay. Okay, it's not great, but everyone wants to know why. So you're going to look back at everything you did with that guy and try and work out why did he ghost me. But then if you take that to the next level and you start going... I'm such a loser, I'm such a victim, no wonder no, but no guys like me, I've got too much baggage. You start making those, um, kind of what I mentioned before, those negative beliefs, that's kind of your danger bells. So you really need to start to, one thing I said to clients is like, listen to your thinking. If you start hearing yourself saying stuff like that to yourself, I'm a loser, no one's ever going to like me, I'm to this, I'm not enough of that, that's a bit where that's danger territory for psychologists. So what do you do if you hit that danger territory? You need to do something with it. And, you know, like I'm a psychologist, so I don't want to tell everyone to rush out and get therapists because that's unrealistic and it's not always the answer. But really, you know, a lot of good research will tell you that the best thing to do with thoughts like that is to put them somewhere. So put them on a page or record them onto, a, onto your phone and listen back to it. Try to get an awareness of the stuff you're telling yourself so when you hear your brain go there, you kind of can say, oh, you know what? Stop, Rachel, that's not good. Stop there and think about something else. Stop there and remind yourself of some good stuff. You know? What about if you get to that point and you, you, you're not able to determine that it's not good? Then because you can't get out of that funk. Yeah, then, then you should probably try and find a good friend or find a counsellor or a therapist or somebody to help you with that because that's the part where once you're really in a big fog of that stuff, you, you really need someone to help pull you out of it. And sometimes that's a, that's a friend just reminding you hey, it was probably him. Don't you remember he was a bit like this? You know, God, it helps to have a good girlfriend. It does, definitely. A nice and honest girlfriend, you know, that's the thing. So you need someone honest because that's where yeah, you get but in wait therapy. Wait a minute. Sometimes you don't want honesty. Sometimes you just need that friend that's going to, he was such a oh. loser. You're, you're too good for him. You but did nothing wrong. But honestly, that's normally true. I mean, that's the thing. I sometimes think I had a friend recently saying to me, you know, Oh, this one rejected me and that one rejected me and they'd ended up maybe not on their, their life plan, maybe it wasn't when they were 35, but they'd ended up with a partner that honestly I was like, tell me about those guys that rejected you because I can tell you from their personality traits they wouldn't have been the best partners. It might have taken longer, but you've got this awesome guy. So those those guys did you a favour. Mm. I know what kind of life you would have had if you shacked up with A, B and C and, you know, Sometimes rejection, you're just dodging a big bullet. It's sometimes your best friend, but you can never see that until you're looking in the rearview mirror. And that's that's having that right. faith in the universe that the universe is going to deliver, which I've always yes. tried to adhere to. Or but the then every app. now and then I go, <laughs> reality check. Yeah. There's no bloody universe looking out for me. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like I said, like, I, my job can play right into my pessimism and think. And then other times it just makes me so hopeful because you hear these stories and you're like, 
that's just amazing. That's awesome. Someone found their happiness at the time that was meant to be for them. And they got a whole lot of other cool stuff done in the, in the meantime. They had an excellent career or they got to go out with their girlfriends and travel and do stuff and they're stuck at, you know, a different stage later on. So, Do yeah. men and women handle rejection differently? Because I always have this theory that men seem to be able to mm. brush it off yeah. a lot easier than women. <laughs> you know what's different a little bit about men, and they say this with boys and girls, is right, women talk to ourselves a lot more in our heads because we use a lot more words in life. We also use a lot more words inside our heads. So we talk to ourselves more which is sometimes our worst enemy. <laughs> Men seem to be better. It's just, you know, they roll with the punches and it's probably not me. It must, it must have been them. They are better with having, they have better egos kind of flick rejection off, I think, a little bit quicker at certain stages. But I must say a lot of the older men I've met who've gone through divorces or troubled relationships and they go out into dating, they're very sensitive to rejection as well. You know, they, it, I think men can probably not, ruminate and catastrophize as much as us, but that really just comes from the fact that they maybe don't think about it as much as we do. The reason I wanted to talk about rejection, um, particularly now, is because with online dating and mm. all the hookup apps, mm. <laughs> it's just, if you're going to venture into the oh, world of online dating, yep. rejection is a very real possibility. It will probably happen it will and it might happen, happen often. <laughs> I think it will definitely happen. Um, it happens all the time with those dating apps. Something as simple as, you know, I matched him and he didn't match me back mm. or you know mm-hmm. I hear this from girlfriends all the time like I matched with someone we had two messages and yeah. then he cancelled the date that we had planned and mm. then we tried to make a plan again and then he just disappeared and it's I that know. you're left often without answers yeah and that's and humans and we don't do well without answers I know. right so you what want do you answer? do let's talk about ghosting because yeah. you know you mentioned it but ghosting is happening and it's happening. I do yeah. tend to ghost a little bit because it's easier mm. for me I don't like having that you know, confrontational so conversation Hates ghosting, but everybody says they do it. This I know. is what always kills me. I'm like, you don't it's, like it, but you guys are all doing it to each other. I'm like, what are you doing? It's the easy way out. It's the easy way out, and you, there's no face to face. So it's easy to do, but it's harder to handle. So it how is. do you handle ghosting? Well, you know, how do you handle it? I suppose there's a couple of different things. Again, like, it, probably I will have to say to everyone, and this is me just putting like on my, don't do it to each other. Like, be part of the solution. Don't do it. The second part of it is, I suppose, you know. Unfortunately, because there are so many, like you used to only be able to kind of be rejected by the immediate people that you knew. Now there's like thousands of people. I know. And, and strangers you haven't met that are rejecting yeah, you. Yeah, and there's also too much choice. And this is one thing I think with the kid that where men, there's a bit of a problem here I think with men and women is it's a little bit like how there's just way too many milks in Coles now and you just think, for God's sake, why are there 50 milks? You know, you can be having this great chat and up to the third kind of, you know, chat or even the third date. But one thing I think men do from what I hear from them is they, they're still looking. They're still looking because there's all these other milks on the thing, on the kind of fruit, on the shelf and they're looking through the app still. Milfs and milks. Oh, yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> but I think that's part of ghosting too. It's like they see something they think might be better and rather than like just communicate with you and be like, hey, you know, I don't know if I'm still interested, they take the easy way out and they just disappear on you. And that is always going to be painful, but it comes back to the thing it's probably really not much to do with you because they don't even really know you yet. It's probably just that they're, they're either rat bags, they're out there, or they've found something better and they're probably going to do it to that person too. And the other thing I think of is if you can't control the outcome, then why are you spending time worrying about it? Like if someone's ghosted you and gone. No, but we want to control gone. the outcome, don't we? Again, it's like we want to. And this is why I think too, because you're not meeting face-to-face anymore, you know, 
there's this thing where we're always, what, what humans do when they want something is we like scan the environment for little clues. So I've had so many clients that will be like, you know, we, we went on four dates and on the third, you know, on the third date, he said to me, you know, I'd love to go to Bali in January. And I was like, oh my God, it, you know, it's only September. Mm-hmm. He must want a future with me. So ping, your hopefulness goes up. So then on the fourth or fifth date, when they just ghost you, you get even more hurt because you want it. You, you're always looking for signs because you need to because there's so many people, so many interactions. You kind of look for those signs, which in the past, if you just met somebody and there wasn't so much choice, you probably wouldn't have been so fixated on, is this guy another one of those, you know, assholes who's going to ghost me? And so you go, oh, my God, I don't think he is. He mentioned January. Oh, <laughs> let me call my girlfriends. <laughs> when guys do that, Rachel. Buy a swimsuit. <laughs> are they doing that because it's this manipulative kind of way of luring you in? They know what they're doing? Or are they genuinely think in that moment we're going to Bali in January and then they just change their oh, mind? Because this happens yeah. so often to my I girlfriends. I think there's some manipulative ones. Yes. I have heard there are some pretty, like... There's some pretty bad ones. So there are some pretty bad ones out there. There's some of those that have gone out and read The Game or one of those pickup artist books oh and they God, know The book. Art of War or some, you know, some of those texts and they, they manipulate you. But I don't think the majority, I think the majority are, like you said, they're just a bit too scared to, they think I can just avoid the rejection so I'll just disappear. But there, there are manipulative ones and a friend of mine recently said to me, she's become really um, cluey about the ones that come on hard and fast. She's like, when they're saying, I'm re- oh, I'm ready for marriage and I'd really like a baby she, by date three, she's like, alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells, because they're not probably normal. They're probably one of those people trying to get you maybe into bed. Lure you in. Lure yes. you in. And then guess what? Oh, you don't hear from them after. You know, it's, yeah, I think the there's false both. promises. But like I said before, you don't want to kind of get too disenchanted. Too cynical. No, as well. you won't. Cynical is not good, and unrelenting standards are not good. I think one thing I found with my friends, and we're all in that older dating, and we've got a lot of divorced friends now, and friends that are still single and maybe still want to have a child, is you know one thing we we can sometimes do is we put our standards to a place where nobody's going to meet those things. If you kind of have unrelenting standards, you sometimes miss those matches where there's just chemistry. And I say that to my mm-hmm. friends and I say it to my clients. There's something called limerence that happens in the body. There's another bit of psychology. I won't do too much of it, but this is one bit that's important. There's this thing that happens. You can kind of meet 10 people. Even 10 might not be enough. But there's this thing that happens, this pheromone thing that happens in your brain where this cascade of you know, magical kind of hormones and neurotransmitters all come into your system and that's when you get that feeling and you can't predict how that feeling works. So I've had clients who tell me they only like tall guys or they have to be this kind of guy. The reality is you might meet the most unexpected person and get that. So if you have this laundry list of like they must be da 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 da, da and you don't actually try those dates where they don't meet your criteria, you are sometimes doing yourself a disservice. I've have had that. You a might lot. miss out on the limerence. You might miss out on the limerence, which is pretty addictive. Did I use the term like correctly? Then, apparently, <laughs> it's the same system that drugs really? use limerence. It goes through the same arousal that cocaine and heroin goes through, and it's addictive. Which is why people get into affairs. My other my other passion, but you know, what do you mean your other passion? You're my passion at work. Okay, okay, let's <laughs> just at work, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're in an addictive state. So if you meet a guy who's not maybe who you thought is perfect, but if you get that feeling, yeah, you're you're onto a good thing, and you normally both get it. That's the thing with limerence. It's very rare. One feels it and the other doesn't. This is off topic a little bit off the rejection yeah. thing, but you just touched on it before. And another issue that 
really frustrates me and a lot of my girlfriends is when you do meet someone Mm. and you you go on a date or two Mm. and it seems too good to be true and he seems wonderful and he ticks all the boxes and it's all going wonderfully. Mm. And at this age, I think we've had so many negative experiences that you start automatically going, oh, well, I'm not going to let myself get too deep because it's going to go pear-shaped and there's obviously something wrong with him and he's a liar or a cheater or a user or an abuser or whatever. So that you're caught between these two schools of thought. Do I just, do I go with the lovely, happy feelings of meeting someone new Mm. and the early stages of romance that are meant to be so positive and beautiful without being affected by all the negative voices going, oh, be careful, be careful, be careful. I know, and this is... uh, I have a little bit of saying for this and it's I have to quote it, it's a Dr. Philism, a Dr. Philism from TV when I was at uni that I just loved this one. But he used to say to people when he did his relationship hours, don't invest more than you can afford to lose. So that kind of means to me, if relating to what you just said, if you're in a good place and you've done maybe a little bit of work on yourself and, you, and you've got good self-esteem, you can afford to kind of let yourself go down the rabbit hole a little bit because if it doesn't work out, what are you going to lose? You're going to be hurt. You're going to get the Tim Tams. You're going to cry on the phone, but you're probably going to come back. Now, if you're feeling like you're a little bit unstable, you've had come out, this is where the rebound thing happens too. You've come out of a bad experience or, you know, maybe a parent's died. You're feeling weak and you're not feeling at your best. If you go down that rabbit hole and you fall into that risk and it doesn't go well, you might end up, you know, clinically depressed or in the fetal position in the corner. So I always say to people, what have you got to work with? If you're in a good place, Invest, go for it. You'll be okay. But if you're not in a good place, be careful. If you're unhappy at work, or yeah, it could take you somewhere, somewhere dark. You don't want to go. So you know, yeah, definitely try to not completely follow. You know, follow your instincts. But yeah, it's really about how, what good kind of place you're in at that time. That's That's the best way. Thanks, Doctor Phil, for the beginning. I don't even know that's what Doctor Phil meant. I have taken that from Doctor Phil years later, and that's what I say about it. It's really good. (laughs) I'm going to use that. Here's another question. Do you think some people are just not emotionally built for dating apps? Yes. Yep. Because I think it seems like such an easy fix, right? And mm. I've seen so many girlfriends have a go. Yeah. So I, I never wanted to try any of the hookup apps or dating apps. And okay. then when I started doing the podcast, I was like, we talk about them so often. I have to have, oh, I have wow. to go on. So I was in Chicago uh-huh. and I thought, no one knows me here. I'll just That's slide so in under the radar and I'll have a little look and I'll you know, put my profile up. And it was mm. a proper photo of me and my name. Yeah. And I just said I was a journalist and my real age. Mm. And it was the Bumble. Oh, so yeah. So, I mean, when one. I looked at Tinder and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think this is for me. So I looked at Bumble mm. and then I swiped a lot and then I found probably, you know, I was on for an hour. Mm. I probably found three guys that I thought, okay, I'm going to, wow. I'm going to swipe on yeah. them and see what happens. I mean, I'm in Chicago for three days. Nothing's going to happen, <laughs> but I just want to see what know. happens with the process, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. And only one of them replied to me. Oh, no. And I was like, what? what is wrong with me? This, I only swiped on three men in an hour. How dare you not pick up on my swipe, you asshole? And it's I thought, so oh, funny. my God, this is affecting me. I'm on for an hour. I have no I intention know. of getting anything out of it. And I still felt like that's really yeah. depressing. It is, isn't it? And you do straight away go, what is wrong with me? Like not maybe what is wrong with them or they're scared that this like Australian chick's going to run off and they can't do any more rejection maybe. Oh, look, you know, there's that's a million. what I thought when you said it. I was like, those poor guys are probably like, 
who's this hot chick from Australia not not going. You know, like they've got just as many insecurities, but I I think dating apps are not for everybody. See? And I, I really think what I would love to see come back and what I try to tell my clients is go to like, you know, when speed dating and, and matchmaking services and, you know, those dinners. My my mum was divorced and she used to, her friends used to go to dinner for six things. It just seems so naff and so old school because then online dating came in. But I'm really like... Bring that back, like even speed dating, because when you're face to face, people are people actually are very hardwired to be kind and empathic. Human beings actually are hardwired to be empathic. It's what sets us apart from yeah. other species. So once someone's in front of you and they're chatting with you, they're much more likely to let you down in a kind way. So I'm kind of like bring back the other forms of matchmaking, dating, because the apps, there is, there's some things about apps we can't get around. You're anonymous. People are much more inclined to be insensitive because of that. There's way too many numbers. You know, at speed dating, there might be 20 of you. In, in online dating, there's millions, if not, you know. Oh, literally hundreds coming to your hundreds phone in one Hundreds and thousands just in, in your little area. Yeah. And, you know, it's global, really. So I think it's not for everyone. And don't forget, there, there are other things out there. There's meetup things, there's activity things. And that's one other thing, actually, that I wanted to say about, you know, when you said kind of what do you do if you feel like you're getting really beaten down by rejection? One of the things we do when we're rejected and hurt or even when we're in physical pain is we tend to, one of our our traits is we're avoidant. So we stay home and we isolate. If you feel like you're doing that, it's never a good thing. Avoidance and isolation for humans, it's okay to avoid for a little while and hide in your cave and lick your wounds. But then even if you don't go back out into dating because you feel a bit beaten down, make sure that you go and hook up with girlfriends or go join a sporting team. Go do other things that get your confidence back up. And get your mind off it. Yeah, but also get you connected again because being connected right. to a, a friend or a team or anything, that does a lot for your self-esteem. So you don't have to necessarily go, I have to go back to dating. Go do something else. Go go join a cooking class if that's your passion mm-hmm. or a sporting thing. Or just go out with girlfriends. Don't hide away and just not want to see the world. That's a really good tool for building yeah. yourself back up. But, you know, again, we are a little bit on that self-helpy mindfulness thing, but that one's really important. So I, I realised when I, I had my little experience, literally an hour on Bumble, oh, and, and yeah. two of the three guys I swiped on did not respond, <laughs> and I was devo. <laughs> and then I had another girlfriend who uh, had been trying Bumble, and I had a chat to her about it, and she said... I don't know what's wrong. I have swiped on so many men. She had swiped on probably 50 guys. Mm. Not one guy reacted to her. And she's a dear friend of mine and she's beautiful and smart and outgoing. She's a pilot. I mean, she's a gorgeous girl. And it it broke my heart because Mm. I could hear in her voice. It was over the phone. I had this chat with her and she was just completely Mm. beaten by it. Absolutely. And I thought, God, I know how I felt when... Only one guy replied. Imagine yeah, you, only tried for you put it an out hour. to 50 and not one yeah, person comes really, back. That's devastating. And I think you shouldn't be doing this online no. thing. And if you're going to keep doing it, and this is again, like there might always be a bit of a reality in every situation. So you don't always want to be like, it doesn't mean anything. It must be them. I've had clients and friends come to me and say, can you have a look at my profile? Because am I getting the wrong matches? And I'll sometimes say, you know, unfortunately, online dating is a marketing exercise and what you market is what you attract. So if you're going to put really over-sexualized photos of yourself because you're going to get more hits, you're probably going to get the guys who love the porn stars. So good luck with those guys. So, you know, really think about what you want to send out and who you like, what kind of guys you like. Be really honest. I found that um, there was some research I read lately. Sometimes I can't remember what's from research and what's from work. But somewhere I kind of heard that the guys who want serious relationships are more inclined to respond to the women that had less on their profiles. So they've just put, 
you know, only interested in relationships, a few things about themselves and a couple of photos. They didn't go too big with the pitch. And I thought, you know what, that kind of makes sense to me. Like, Why? You know, I would think he'd, if he's really interested, yeah, wouldn't he want to know more about you? They just want to know the most important things about you, the kind of things that are really, you know, people that want serious relationships are just looking for someone who wants a serious relationship. And, you know, that's... You know, that's probably, if, if you like with your friend getting all those rejections, you know, you, you want to help her to just feel better. But I would also say, hey, let's have a look. What have you put on there? Maybe you've put something that's, maybe the fact you've put there, you're a pilot is made, because as soon as you said that, my mind went, they're feeling intimidated by her. <gasps> oh. So that's the psychologist in me. You can see, I was straight wow. away like, I might not put that. I might work, I work in aviation or I work in the airlines. I work for Qantas. I might not put pilot because men are fragile creatures, believe it or not, and they might feel intimidated by that. I see, I hate that. So what, yep. if she'd said, I'm a, well, a flight attendant, she would have got I all know, the hits? Well, the no, fact not that necessarily she's... that. You know, it's, it's it sounds like that and it's it's easy to go down that way. But why but should you pretend to be someone you're not? You shouldn't, but the, but the human being part of me being a psychologist is people are all riddled with insecurities. And when you see that somebody's a pilot, you might think you're not good enough for them. It's not maybe as nasty as them being like, oh, you know, better if she was an air, a trolley dolly or whatever kind of crap, sexist crap they want to put up. It's not that. It's like I'm not good enough for a woman like that. I've had lots of my most professional clients that get knocked down because the men are scared of them. That's not okay, but it's just sometimes like, you know, it, it's it's because of their insecurities, not And there's who you a school are. of thought that says, I don't want to be with that guy. Totally. If he's already coming into the relationship intimidated by me because I'm a pilot, well, no. he's not the yeah, right one you for might, me. You definitely might not, but I just think it's worth knowing that stuff because sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, that, that really insecure guy might meet you and you're maybe really down to earth and nice and they might feel better straight away. You know, they might not think that you're judging them. You know, it's just sometimes, again, just getting past that stuff. And you can't get past it to you in real, real life, real time together. The one I found really interesting, I, I, just that one hour I spent on Bumble, I was intrigued by profile photos. Mm-hmm. Men have, you know, everything from half naked in bed to, you know, standing with clown makeup on, one guy in a <laughs> Batman suit, Ooh. you know, you can't even see his face. The one I don't understand, Rachel, men who have photos with women in them. So the ones oh. that have the guys with their kids, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel no, about no. that. But yep. yeah, you're a father mm, and, and your kids are part that. of your life. I get it. But yeah. when they're standing with a hot girl oh. or maybe Maybe two hot women. I think, okay, well, is that your partner and your swingers? Is this your ex-girlfriend? I don't mm. I'm I'm trying to date you, not you not and all you. your girlfriends. Yeah, and you don't need to prove yourself to me. So what is just, that about? It's just insecurity again, big insecurity and ego. And there's like people trying to be like, look, I can, you know, I can succeed. Look at these hot girls. And as women, we're like, what? Like there could be anything more aversive than seeing a guy who puts photos like that up there. It's so stupid. But again, if that guy maybe went to his mates or went to his sister and said, hey, look at my profile. I'm sure anybody would be like, what What are you doing? So does he think if she sees me standing oh, yeah. next to a hot girl, yeah. she's going to think it's I'm like a better peacocking. guy? It's totally or, like peacocking. It's, it's like, like look what I can get. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it is. It's peacocking. It's probably a guy having midlife crisis. But, you know, it's that peacocking thing. Okay, look at me. Look at me. Cross him off the list. Cro- I would cross him off the list. The other one that's funny is when there's um, – a guy and he has a photo and there's four men in his profile shot. Now, oh. I automatically assume I'm just going to go ahead and assume you're the ugliest one in the group and you feel <laughs> like your better looking mates are going to make me <laughs> stop and look at your profile. That's the other thing. Oh what is gosh. it with you and three mates? I don't know. Maybe they're like, again, I've had guys who've told, who've, I've seen actually guys who put friends up on their profiles and I have kind of been like, what is that about? And they'll be like, anxious again about just putting, oh, but that's the only picture I look good in. I think, well, crop your mates out. <laughs> again, nobody's telling them 
this so they don't know. They put the phone. You're like, which one are you? Oh, God, I like you, mate. You know, it's either that or maybe, see, when I see that, I'm like, oh, God, is this one of those boys' boys? Am I going to be like last on the list? Is this guy all about his mates? You know, there'd be a couple of things I'd wonder about that. But again, nobody tells you this stuff. There is no manual for it. So boys especially don't know. I read somewhere when I was researching for people to chat to on the podcast, there are now in America, and I don't know if they have them mm. here, but online dating mm. profile coaches. Oh, so you pay someone to create mm-hmm. your profile. Just like you used to get someone to your resume. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised at all. There was someone will jump to your in business. on every... Oh, yes. I think <laughs> I'll stay away from that one for now. But yes, definitely that would make sense. I also recently had a friend go to like a... He was very insecure and his wife left him. He was very in love with his wife. My wife didn't want to be with him anymore. And um, yeah, he went to like a pickup school, but it was to learn confidence. You know, he'd go meet someone and he'd just get so nervous he couldn't speak. So he knew he wasn't getting himself across right. Apparently in Sydney, from what I, I heard from this friend of mine, there are actually like coaches and schools where you can go as a man and they brought in some women for them to have practice conversations with. And I thought, my gosh, you know, that's not the stereotype, right? We wouldn't think guys are out there doing that. But they are. There are some guys out there who, just like us, are getting really disenchanted with the whole process. I've also had another friend of mine who, you know, he had done Tinder. His wife left him as well. And, you know, I think... He wanted kids and she didn't want kids. And, yeah, he, he went on Tinder and he hated it, you know. He didn't like it. He didn't like all this, the, the quick sex. And so he decided he'd tell girls that he wasn't interested in sex until he knew if he liked them. And he had a really hard time with that. So he said initially that people were cool with it, but by about date three or four, if he hadn't made a physical move on, on, a, on a girl, a lot of them would be really upset with him and a lot of them would kind of say what's, you know, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with you? Why aren't, don't you, am I not attractive to you? So there goes that thing again where you start self-criticizing. Well, that's where she's feeling rejected. She's feeling rejected because he doesn't want to make a move. But then at the same time, as women, we're all like, we kind of think we want that. We want the guy that doesn't just want sex on the first date. But when we actually get it, then we're like, oh my God, there must be something wrong with me. So, you know, the men are struggling too. That's, I've got to be fair. I've got to be fair to those guys because I see them. I've got friends that tell me. I mean, they come to me because I'm my job. People come to me and they think they can tell me the truth. They don't tell that to the other friends at the party, but they tell me those stories. That's a whole other side issue that we've been exploring in some of our podcasts here is that men now in their 40s and 50s are scared by how sexually confident Mm. women are. They say sexually aggressive and I keep correcting them and saying maybe it's just sexually confident. But men are, some men are a little bit scared of that, which is we would all think, oh, my God, they'd be bloody loving it. Well, he said he did. Love it for about three months. I think when his wife left, See, he, he loved it loved for a it bit. At first. But then he was like, "But I can't get to the relationship bit." He's like, "Maybe if I don't have sex with them, maybe I can get to know them." He thought that was a good strategy, but it was backfiring bad on the time at the time on him. So you can't avoid that we're in this, you know, modern oh, dating scene. We're dating apps are right a part now. of life for yeah. most of us. Are there some dating apps that are a little more user-friendly if you are a little more sensitive to rejection? I don't yeah. even know if this is the most ridiculous question I've ever asked in my life, but yeah. are some dating apps a little better Some to use than others. Better, but there's always going to be rejection. I think we should all just come to terms with the fact that there's no way to do this without some rejection. So I'll just say that up first. Um, but yes, I think there are. I mean, a lot of people did like Bumble because they felt like they, you know, would only get the matches where, you know, they got the women got the chance to kind of make that move. But I don't think that's working because, like you said, they don't have to match you back. So you still get the rejection. Um, one thing I try to tell clients sometimes when they're on apps is, Often for humans, the more we invest, the more effort something takes kind of means that you're more committed to it. So you also should go, if you want a serious relationship, there's some apps that 
maybe either cost money or the sign-up process is longer and they do tend to mean that the people on there are a bit more serious about dating. So so they're more like the online dating services yeah, rather e-harmony, than the hookup RSVP, the, you know, um, there's quite a few. There's a lot of new ones out there too and I always say to people, Google best dating apps, read what's new. There's always new ones on the market. Um, so those ones sometimes are good if you want a committed relationship, I think, but also there's a lot for specific people. So like for single parents, there are actually apps for single parents. So if you're a single parent, often you're getting rejected because people don't want someone with kids. So pick one that's aligned with what you want. And at least then you don't have, it's one thing you don't have to worry about that is the reason for the rejection. Um, but I do think stay away from the ones where it's hard and fast and it's a numbers game like Tinder because you'll get a lot of rejection. That's just the way they're built. They're, they're quick to match and they're quick to reject. So if you really are sensitive to rejection, just pick something where there's a little bit more involved in getting on getting onto the site. People are more invested in signing yeah. up and creating their profile yeah. and spending time doing that. Then yeah. maybe they're more invested in a relationship. Yeah, and maybe a bit better with... Like they might reject you still, but they might be a little bit more invested in communicating that with you because you're signed up, you've spent the money, you've probably, you know, you're both in that position. Maybe they'll actually tell you, hey, it was nice meeting you, but I just don't think we're right. It's better than being ghosted, isn't it? (laughs) The other thing that really upsets me as far as rejection goes is being on the receiving or when when I've rejected someone, even in a, you know, polite way, if I haven't ghosted them or if I've just said, oh, look, I don't think this is working. Mm. Rejection can make people quite aggressive. Yeah, definitely. And it triggers this anger and aggression that is not pleasant and it makes me sometimes think I just don't want to be bothered with dating at all. So I went on Mm. one date with a guy. We had a nice time but he was just completely inappropriate and he talked about threesomes and doing drugs and all the stuff that I'm just not into. And so I said goodbye at the end of the night. It was nice to meet you and off I went. And then uh, I didn't see him again. He started uh, sending me this string of abusive text messages at 2am, 3am. Obviously, you're drunk, you're out. Nasty. I had to block him yeah, in the be. end. And it's it's just not appropriate and it's just hideous to deal with. Why does rejection create this anger and aggression in people? It's not just rejection. It's the same when you work with people in relationships or even just like with their, um, you know, with them, with family. You know, one of the biggest things we work with as psychologists is trying to get people not to communicate the secondary emotion, which is anger, and communicate the more vulnerable emotion, which is hurt, because people are hurt by rejection. But a lot of people learn when you feel hurt, cover it up by being super angry and take the rejection away from you and personalise it onto the other person. I've had women that have had the most disgusting things sent to them by men, like really personal or sexual slander because they rejected them. Like And exactly like you said, two in the morning. And I just think... Like all you can do is block them and all you can do is think, what an arsehole, because who would do that? But it really is about them flicking that rejection off themselves and being like, it's not me, it's you and let me tear you down because really they are broken and hurt, which again, you don't really have a lot of sympathy for them, but we kind of, as humans do, when we feel hurt, we generally act angry and, you know, we do it with friends, we do it with partners. You kind of sometimes are better off saying, I feel hurt rather than I feel angry, but you need to do a lot of therapy to do that. That's a hard one to do. Isn't it bizarre that that's the the reaction they have because the only thing it makes me do is (gasps) reinforce the fact that I have no interest in seeing you again. Thank God you dodged that one. Um, Totally. It's disgusting. So that rejection sort of somehow it affects rational thinking. Yeah, it does. Or is that person just an asshole always going to be an asshole? I always say to people, you've got to remember you're out there in the world and the more people you meet, the more of the kind of people that are not particularly psychologically well you're going to meet. Like there are people that are kind of, for psychologists, we have people that have personality disorders. There are people that are just, there's actually something wrong with them. Now, the more people you meet, 
the more likely you are to meet one. It's just like how in the States they say there's more shootings because there's more people, more people, more crazy people. More people you meet on dating, the more likely you are to come across. That guy sounds like something wrong with him, to be Someone, honest Someone um, <laughs> gave me the analogy of Tinder, how he explains it is it's like being at the MCG and you sit there and you look around and you go, a full MCG, there's 100,000 yeah. people there. Mm. It's like if you're on Tinder. Mm. But then realistically, if you were to walk around the stadium, how many of those people would you actually yeah, would be suitable with at all or be for suitable or even for want to you? talk to, actually. Maybe 5% totally. if you're lucky, maybe 1%. Of those, so even if you get all the ones that you go, okay, I'd like to talk to them, are you going to have any chemistry with them? Like we've all forgotten. Like, remember when you used to like just want to meet someone and you'd hope that you feel something? You could walk into a room and just unexpectedly you just you talk to someone you feel something. You've got to put all those things in. So there might be five you want to talk to and of those one that you actually feel <laughs> anything for. So the odds are not fantastic. So it is a numbers it's game. It's a numbers game. But, you know, God, it's a hard one. Single men, I mean, we... I, I, have a lot of single girlfriends and yeah. we are all very open and communicate all of our frustrations mm. and confusion. What are single men, do you think, struggling with in the single dating yeah. world? I think they struggle with knowing what to do, you know, in lots of ways. Like some of the, I suppose a lot of them aren't too sure whether we want to be treated, in, like whether we want them to pay for the dinner or we, or we want to split it. Are they going to offend us if they pay for all the drinks or are they going to be chivalrous? So I think some of the more traditional things around how do women like to be treated are confusing to men because they don't talk about it as much between themselves as we do. And when they do, men protect themselves with a lot of ego. So they're not as inclined to go to their mates and be like, why do you think this happened? Why do you think that happened? So I think a lot of them are confused about how to treat women at times and the different kinds of things. And one of the things I think they don't do is just ask you, you know, you can just ask a woman and they'll be really happy that you ask. That's like extra points. Just ask women about, you know, whether or not they'd like, you know, to split the bill or you'd be happy to pay for it. Those kind of things I think they struggle with, as well as some of the sexual stuff. You know, women are more sexually confident and I think men again, also struggle. There's a lot of um, stuff in the media at the moment around consent. You know, at what stage is consent given and is it given, it's okay to kiss me, then it's okay to touch me, then it's okay to have sex with me and it's okay to have sex with me this way, but not that way. Men have to be really careful these days about consent and actually making sure that you're cool with stuff at every stage with sexual encounters or it can turn out really badly for them. And um, I think a lot of them are confused about that as well. So sometimes they might not make sexual advances because they need to kind of check that you're cool with stuff. So I think there's a lot of things out there for men that have changed legally and just in terms of culturally what's acceptable, what women like. And I think it would be great for men to talk more to each other, though I don't know if that will happen, or to Mm -hmm. go, you know, I have got single men that come for therapy about dating, so get some help, talk to friends. And you know what, if you really don't know, just ask women, they will tell you. So how important is it to trust your gut when you meet someone? Yeah. For that little moment that's like, oh, you know what, Sammy, I think it's really important. I think in life it's important and in dating it's important. There is plenty of research now on this three brain theory that there are brain cells in your heart and there are brain cells in your gut. There are neurons for that. Hold up. Three brain theory. It's a theory. No it's idea. really good research on it. So there's actually the same kind of cells that exist in your brain. There are some of those similar cells in your heart and in your gut. So there's a lot of stuff about the intelligence that is held in your body. And this whole thing of like, there's this model in psychology, right, that you can have a thinking person, a feeling person or a knowing, which is like, I just, you know, an intuitive person. And we rely differently on those intelligences. There's a lot of research that tells you there's those feelings, like you said, when it's just in your gut and you're like, ooh, something's not right here. 
you're very often right. So I definitely think safety is number one in online dating. And that's one thing I suppose we haven't touched on yet is it's also can be very unsafe. You know, you don't know who these people are. Some of them are opportunistic and they're not safe people. If you feel like at any stage your gut's telling you there is something wrong, I would say get out. You can always call up and meet them again. But if you feel like something's off, take your gut's instinct and and abort or don't see them again. But uh, it's it's a really big thing in, in dating, you know, and in relationships. If you feel something's a bit iffy, it probably is. Trust your intuition. The whole three brain theory mm. kind of debunks that whole that whole thing of listen to your head, not your heart. Yeah, you should be listening to both I've got and a, your yeah. gut. And not just in dating. I've got a friend that's a corporate psychologist and she goes in and teaches this in companies, you know, that people always used to, you know, kind of put on a pedestal the people that like are thinking people. But the feelings people and the intuitive people that just know it's right or they just feel this. And you can hear it in people's language. If you ever want to work out how someone dominates, listen to how they talk. They'll, they'll tell you pretty fast. Those people had just as much to tell you and their intelligences can be used in different ways. So definitely that idea that the people who are just analytical are right or smarter is not the case anymore. So what should you be listening out for? What Which do you one mean? dominates for you? So, so some people will be like, I think this and I think this and they'll tell you. Other people say, I don't know. You know, I just feel like he was the wrong guy for me. Or someone, another girlfriend might say, you know, I was thinking he wouldn't have done this. Da, da, da. And you might get the third girlfriend who'd be like, I just know he's right for me. I can't tell you what. I just know it. I feel it in my guts. There's the intuitive type. So if you don't know which type you are, everyone uses all three. Of course, we use bits of them, but most people dominate to one. And it's a really interesting thing to kind of work out which one is your thing. It's been so fascinating. Thanks for your time um, and insights into rejection. Anything you'd leave us with? Uh, I suppose my take-home messages are always just don't get don't get too disenchanted, don't get too cynical and don't personalise it. You know, these people don't know you. This is a process. If you stay out there, you know, you might just meet the right person, but, you know, don't take it all too seriously. Yeah. Can I add to that and say next time you're rejected, yes. just think about this, right? There's, yeah. I think there's like seven and a half billion people in the world. <laughs> oh, seven good. and a half billion people. Wow. So next time you're rejected, mm. you just say, adios, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to find someone who is more worthy of my life. Absolutely. That sounds like Does good that work advice. as well? I like that, Sammy. I'll take that one to the clients too. <laughs> Very good. I like it. <laughs> Romantically Challenged was presented by me, Sammy Lucas, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Sound production was by Matt Nikolic and the executive producer is Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on iTunes.